Well, this morning, the title of my message is, A Virgin, a virgin Shall Conceive, and it is prophesied in 734 B.C. So in the year 734 B.C., there is this prophecy that comes from the prophet Isaiah about the virgin birth of our Savior, our Messiah. And whenever we look at these verses, and we're going to go through them, and uh, um, it was something that was on my mind for the you know, beginning of last week. I said, okay, you know, in, your, in your mind, you say, okay, what am I going to preach on next week? You know, it's Christmas. How are we going to approach it this time? And it was this verse that came into my mind that a virgin shall conceive. So I began looking and studying, and uh, it, uh, hopefully it comes across as uh, understandable, and um, the implications and the things that God has brought out in the scriptures, hopefully we can kind of grasp those things, knowledge with God, and uh, have that knowledge sink into our heart about how important the birth of Christ is and how important Jesus is to us, to the nation of Israel, and that through, all, through him all the world would be blessed. So we begin in chapter 7, verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jolthan, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, King Rezin and Aram and Pekah, son of Remlah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. So there's a lot of names. <laughs> and there's... Um, Basically, what was confusing about, what is confusing about this, um, these, all these names, that sometimes there's three, three names for the same place. <laughs> and, there's, and we're looking at this and say, well, how many people are there and how many, how many kingdoms are there and all this thing. Basically, there's just four kingdoms. There's four individuals or nations involved here. And we'll, we'll sort that out as we go through it. But don't be confused by the names. Uh, by the number of names. But what we're looking at here, um, they've, they came up against Jerusalem. Jerusalem is always up. The reason is it's a, it's a city on a hill. It's a high elevation. They go down to Jericho and up to Jerusalem because it is, Jerusalem's on the mountain, Jericho's in the valley. So always whenever the scripture is talking about, they go up to Jerusalem, meaning, <coughs> excuse me, it's not that it's far north, it's just that it's higher in elevation. So it's the, the city of Jerusalem is high in elevation, and um, we find that these kings, the, uh, two of them basically, are trying to get to Jerusalem to um, take on Ahaz and bring him into subjection to them. We'll find out why. But now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the, heart, so the heart of Ahaz, and this is the, the main character, Ahaz, he's the, he's the king if, of Judah. He's the guy who is the king of Jerusalem. And basically, Israel is divided into two kingdoms. There is, above Jerusalem, northward, there is called the, the Ten Tribes, where it's called northern, the northern kingdoms, and it's often called Israel. Okay? Now, south of that line is Judah. Which, in, which takes on the city of Jerusalem. So this tribe of Judah is occupying a, a, a landmass south of Jerusalem. Now, whenever we're looking at this, the, we're not covering thousands of miles. <laughs> we're covering basically hundreds of miles. The nation of Israel, at, even at this time, is 290 miles long. 
That's like going from Pittsburgh to Allentown. That's 283 miles. And it's about 85 miles wide. That's like going from Johnstown to State College. So that's the entire nation of Israel, okay? So you kind of crank it up and put part of it on the, you know, turn it vertical, and you have one border is the Mediterranean Sea, and then you have the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, and the mountains, okay? You can put those visual things in your, in your mind. Well, the northern kingdom is maybe 50 miles, 70 miles long, and around that kingdom are other kingdoms, but they're not like the Babylonian Empire. <laughs> These are like uh, the kingdom of um, Johnstown and the kingdom of Bedford, <laughs> okay? They're not, they're just almost like counties. And so they surround the, the, the northern uh, kingdoms, or, you know, surround the northern kingdom. And so these individuals then, two of them decide they're going to come against Ahaz, okay? Ahaz is Judah. And we find that the northern kingdom and um, one of the other kingdoms, they're paying tribute to the kingdom of Assyria, the big, the big guy, all right? Well, they don't want to pay tribute to Assyria, so we find that uh, Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramelech, king of Israel, these two guys get together, and they're going to go down and force Ahaz, king of Judah, to join them, and they're going to revolt against Assyria and not pay tribute. All right, so that's the setting. <laughs> now, um, the year was 734 B.C. The king of Judah in Jerusalem was about to be attacked by an alliance of the northern kingdoms of Israel and Aram, which is kind of Damascus. Ahaz was frightened by the possible end of his reign. These, these, these um, kingdoms would be like the kingdom of Johnstown go, raids and goes down over into the kingdom of Bedford and it's going to dethrone the king of Bedford, okay? Well, the, kingdoms, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel is going to come down and dethrone Judah, the king, of, king Ahaz. And Ahaz, is, he's like, I can't have this happen. Because at the end of verse 2, it says, and the, the heart of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. <laughs> so he's, you know, they're terrified. They're shaken in their shoes that they're going to come in and take them captive and force them to do what they don't want to do. But as Isaiah had predicted, the kingdom of Judah did not come to an end. The sign of Emmanuel would be the sign of deliverance. Then we move to verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, so we have Ahaz shaken in his shoes. Judah, the kingdom, is afraid. Israel, the northern kingdom of just above Jerusalem, is coming down and they're going to conquer Ahaz. Ahaz is shaking in his shoes. Isaiah says, the Lord says to Isaiah, go out, you and your son uh, Shear Jasaph, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct in the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. So God gives to Isaiah some very specific information. Where he's supposed to meet the king and what he's supposed to do when he gets there. King Ahaz had become king of Judah and um, 
he became king at the age of 20. He reigned for over 16 years, but he was not a godly king. He set up idols and images of foreign gods, and we'll find out later that <laughs> kind of, you know, could have been a, um, a mystery TV show, okay? We have Northern Kingdom doesn't want to pay tribute to Assyria, and these two guys are coming down to force Ahaz to, to go with them and fight against Assyria, okay? Well, what Ahaz does is he doesn't end around. He goes to Assyria, and he, he sees the king over there, and he says to the king, I'll pay you tribute if you wipe out those two guys who are coming down against me. <laughs> so we'll, we'll put it all together as we go through here. So he, no, uh, King Ahaz went to Assyria, and the Assyrians worshipped a, a god called Moloch. It was an ancient Phoenician and Amorite god who they, whom they sacrificed their children to. So here's Ahaz, king of, king of Judah, bringing back this god of the Amorites, and he offers his children, plural, to, the, to this god. He, he burns them, he fires them, you know, sets them, you know, pushes them into the fire to be offered as a, as a sacrifice. Well, he's not a godly king, to say the least. Verse 4, this is God saying, to Isaiah to speak to Ahaz. Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Now, remember Ahaz? He's shaking in his shoes. People are coming against him. God is telling Ahaz, be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. <laughs> because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, and of the son of Remelia. So during the dark days when the northern kingdom, Israel, King Perka and the Syrian king, Rezin, invade Judah, we find that Isaiah is telling him, take heed, be quiet, don't be afraid. Now, well, we'll, we'll go on. Verse 5. Aram, Ephraim, and Remelah Son, have plotted your ruin. Okay, so prophet Isaiah is telling King Ahaz, this is what's going on. These guys have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of uh, Tabiel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. Okay, so God is telling this wicked King Ahaz, he's telling him he's on his side. He's going to help him out here. God is saying, it will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remelah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. There's, a, there's one of those catch scriptures. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Now this is presented to the king, but it's also presented to us. There are always people coming against people. <laughs> it's just the, the fallen nature. And the, um, the, the, the admonition in this text 
is not only for Ahaz, but it's also for us. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So he is asking us, he's, t- he's asking us and he's telling Ahaz, the choice is yours. You can trust in God or fall into the enemy's hands. They're coming for you and you have a choice. Trust in me or trust and fall or fall into their hands. So, or worse than that, that he would harden his heart and wouldn't be obedient to God. Then verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Now, if we can just try to reiterate, we have um, northern kingdom. Okay, you imagine one bubble. Uh, that's the northern kingdom, Israel, uh, the term Israel. Then another bubble right underneath it, that's Judah, King Ahaz, Jerusalem. On the top bubble, we have Damascus, which is King Rezin or Aram, and that's where Damascus is, this one bubble attached here. Then we have Assyria, <laughs> King uh, Teglath Pileser, that's the big empire. And then we have um, Judah. So we have these four main players. Now, Damascus, this first, the one bubble, then you have the one put on it there. Damascus was paying tribute to Assyria. Okay? So paying tribute to Assyria. And so Damascus comes over and partners with Israel, the northern kingdom, that they are going to fight against Assyria and not pay them tribute. So they're going to come down and take over King Ahaz and his kingdom, divide it among them, and force them to pay tribute or force them to fight with him against Assyria. So that's, that's what's going on. Can you get the picture in your head? Took me a while to get it there. So you got it in your head? No. <laughs> uh well, we have Bedford, and we have Wimber, <laughs> and we have Johnstown. <laughs> so basically, there are these four, four uh, kings and four uh, things going on. You know, they're, they're battling against each other. And what happens is <laughs> Isaiah counsels Ahaz to trust in God. They're going to come down and take over his kingdom. And rather than foreign allies. Isaiah tells Ahaz, don't trust in the foreign allies. Don't go make tribute to them. You trust in God. Well, Ahaz, being the wicked guy that he is, doesn't pay any attention. (laughs) He doesn't pay any attention to the prophet uh, Isaiah, and he runs off um, to Damascus and to Assyria. He runs off to there, and he teams up with Tiglath, and he sees all of this big empire and the god that they worship there is Moloch. And Ahaz sees this image of Moloch. He decides that he wants that god in Jerusalem. So he, he has this image, whether the people are with him or how he draws it up or whatever, he has them take it back to the temple in Jerusalem. And he takes the temple in Jerusalem with all of its sacred 
altars and, you know, basins and, you know, all the things that's in the temple. And he brings in this foreign god and places it in the temple and then starts having, tries to have the priest of Israel offer worship and worship this god, this Moloch. And this is the time in which he offers his children (laughs) to the, to this god. Well, Ahaz was, um, relieved of his troublesome neighbors because whenever he made this alliance with Assyria, Assyria came in and took about two years and just totally um, annexed the, the, uh, Israel, took Israel into captivity, the northern kingdom, and, um, and, and uh, the, the other kingdom put them in good, put them in captivity. So Ahaz yielded readily to the glamour and prestige of the Assyrians. He thought, wow, I have arrived. I have an alliance with these these guys who are going to protect me. Well, Ahaz thought, um, brought with him the corresponding changes in the religion and the the religious practices of, of, of Israel. He brought with him this god, this Moloch. And not only did he do this, he brought with him the astrological calendars, and the uh, and the sacrifice and the sacrifices and the uh, observ- uh, observatory, with which they would watch the stars. So now Ahaz has totally gone against everything that God had brought the nation of Israel into the Promised Land, in which they were to get rid of, but they never did. And so Ahaz brings it all back in, plops it right in the temple. So you can imagine God's not too happy. So what happens? Ahaz, even in 2 Kings, Ahaz talks about there that he offered his son, but it it is a plural, he offered sons to this God. So we talk about how far from the truth Ahaz has departed. Now, in our life, we go back to, remember in our Sunday school lesson, we talked about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. The tree of life we spoke about as knowledge with God. And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is knowledge without God. And we find that in the knowledge that we have with God, he begins to establish things in our heart and life that are contrary to our fallen nature, to the things that are, you know, in our society or maybe in our neighborhood, maybe even, you know, in our own families, or the traditions or something that is against God. But we need to recognize that God is speaking to us, even, no matter how bad the situation is. Do you have individuals or family or people that you know of that you would think they are just totally beyond the reach of God? Well, those are, they aren't beyond the reach of God. Because Ahaz, verse 10, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, you want a sign? God has told me to ask you for anything in heaven and earth for a sign. You ask it and God has promised he'll deliver it. What do you think Ahaz said? Turn the clock back, <laughs> you know. Now nah, he says, 
I will not ask anything. I will not put the Lord to the test. <laughs> Ahaz, you know, if I were Isaiah, I would have prayed fire down and just zapped that guy and burned him, you know, toast on a stick, you know. What are those peanuts, what are those um, s'mores? Yeah, put them on s'mores or hot dogs on a stick, you know, you deep fry them and whatever. You know, I'd have, you know, because Ahaz was this, he was so bad, he didn't want God to confirm that he was God. And then Ahaz would have to admit that he was wrong. So rather than finding out the truth, Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to tempt God. <laughs> he pulled the, um, I don't want to, I don't want to tempt God, you know. So I, I just get upset with Ahaz. You know, why, why would God allow such a thing to happen? I don't know. <laughs> you know, we'll look, even look at, well, we'll go on from there. Verse 8, verse, uh, verse eight no, page 8, verse 13. And the Lord said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? So Isaiah is telling Ahaz, You have, you have destroyed your kingdom. You have, you have done such despicable, deplorable things. You, we, you weary your own people. And, um, you know, it's not enough that you try the patience of humans. They want to know how long God's going to put up with you. <laughs> and, and Isaiah says, Hear now, O house of David. That is reflecting not only to Ahaz, but to his family and counselors that are telling him, advising him what to do. So you got all of this going on, all right? You got Ahaz, you got him bringing in this foreign god, you got him making an alliance with Assyria, not, over, not making an alliance with God, uh, worshiping idols, you know, deplorable things going on, sacrificing his children to God. And <laughs> Isaiah says, is, is it a small thing for you? <laughs> is this thing that you're doing a small thing for you? Is it not wickedness? Is it not wicked enough to weary men? To weary men, your kingdom is a shambles, and your people wonder how long. How long will you aggravate God's prophet? So it's like Isaiah's standing. How long are you going to aggravate me? For, you know, in this whole process. Well, weary you, will you weary God also? by your ingratitude, your unbelief and disobedience to the commands? Will you weary God? <laughs> Will you continue to do what you're doing in direct violation of what God has commanded? Well, you don't want a sign? Nevertheless, the Lord will give you a sign. <laughs> you are yet for the comfort of those believers who are among you and among the nation, God is going to give you a sign. I shall remind you, Isaiah is telling him, I'm going to remind you of someone greater than yourself. And verse 14b, Isaiah says to Ahaz, you don't ask for a sign, I'm going to give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now what is, for me, is so astonishing here? You have all of this wickedness. That's why taking time to put all that together. See, what is all of this about? You have Ahaz and, and his wickedness 
And in the midst of that wickedness, you have the promise of a Messiah. You have the promise of a Savior. You have the promise of God coming to be with his people. (laughs) So we find that in our life, sometimes we lose hope we lose focus, we, you know, we think things are bad and whatever, and we, we need to remember that even in the worst of times, God comes in with a promise. In the worst of situations, God comes in with a promise. And this is what God comes in through a promise with Ahaz. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, this word virgin um, means, you know, without a man, never knowing a man. It is only used in scripture one time, this word, it's used many times, but in one reference to the birth of Jesus. It's not used in any other context in all of scripture. It's used in the context of Mary being uh, a virgin and conceived the, the conceived Jesus by, by God without a man. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Verse 14, he will The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. (laughs) Adonai, the Lord of all lords, the Lord of all lords, sovereignty, the Lord God himself, the self-existent one. He will give you a sign without being asked. He is going to give you a sign that he is with his people. And that he is honoring his promise that he had given to Abraham. It is clearly understood here that the sign should be such as Yahweh alone could give the sign. The self-revealing one. The self-revealing one will give a sign. So, in our life, in the darkest of times, the self-revealing one, God himself, will reveal his, his promise. He will reveal in this case, the Savior, the Messiah. The foretelling of this reference is the birth of, a, of such a child means that this event could only be known by God, could only be established by God. Verse 15, Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. What that verse is referring to is Butter and honey shall he eat is the common food for children in that country. He will be as a common child. <laughs> you know, sometimes there, there's these movies around Christmas time about Jesus as a child and, you know, raising people and healing people and the stuff like that. That's, that's not true. <laughs> it's, it's a nice movie, but it's not true. It is, but Jesus grew up like an ordinary child. And we know this because in, when he became, and when he began his ministry, is this, not, is this not Joseph's son, the carpenter? You know, he, he'd never done anything to, be, to stand out from among them. But the prophet Isaiah says, he is, a virgin is going to conceive a promise to the most wicked time uh, of Israel and to a, to a man, to a king, who is offering his children to um, uh, Moloch, burning them in the fire uh, of Moloch. What happens is, in some of them, there's a statue, and they heat it with all this fire on the inside, and they throw their children into, into this 
huge statue that's molten, you know, hot, red hot, and they throw their children in there as a sacrifice to, to this God. And here is King Ahaz doing this, but in the midst of all of that, here is the prophet saying, a virgin shall conceive. One who is never, and without the help of a man, there will be a Messiah born to show to us God is with us. God with us. <laughs> Isaiah goes on in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Uh, verse 6. For unto us, so here is Isaiah. This, is, this revelation that comes to Isaiah is not a one-time thing. It's not just a one and done that, you know, their virgin shall conceive. But in, in, verse, in, in verse 6 of chapter 9, he says, for, the, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <laughs> Isaiah sees this, and he hears it in his, in his mind, in his spirit, and he's proclaiming to the people, in the worst of times, a virgin is going to conceive, and, and the Messiah is going to come. And, they, and this was 730-some years prior to the birth of Jesus. Whatever promise God places in your heart, never let it die. It's for a specific time. It's for a specific place. For a specific way that he needs to bring it about in your life. And Isaiah put this promise in the nation of Israel. And then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, this is a conversation with Moses, or with Joseph, excuse me. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this, was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The prophecy fulfilled. 730-some years prior, now fulfilled in Christ. <coughs> Excuse me, 723 years prior. It means that this was the event which God uh, could, uh, the only God could accomplish. God chose his own sign. When Ahaz wouldn't choose one, God said, I'll give you a sign. And this Jesus is him. Verse 9 says, if you don't, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And that's the challenge, to stand firm in our faith. That our faith is, is, is so important. Our faith begins with God. We don't find it. We don't stir it up. God gives us faith. To every man is given a measure of faith. How we develop that, how we use it, is up to us. We can believe in nothing, <laughs> that's a belief, or we can believe in God. We can be as Ahaz and believe in the uh, Mo Moloch. We can believe in that stuff. 
or we can believe in God. We can believe in tradition or we can believe in the scripture that God has placed in our heart. And so as we enter this Christmas season, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's Isaiah 55, 6. Call upon the Lord while he is near. He is near with us. Emmanuel, God is with me. (laughs) Emmanuel, God is with me. And don't think you're too bad (laughs) or people are too bad. No, God is with me. Amen? Let's stand. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden was being nourished by the knowledge of God. The tree of knowledge of the good and evil, knowledge without God. Ahaz was the knowledge without God. But the prophet Isaiah was the knowledge of God. Father, we thank you. Let your knowledge be part of us, not only in our hearts and minds, but in our spirit. Let it speak to us about the the faith that we have and the truth that is ours through Jesus Christ. Lord, this Christmas time is a time in which we celebrate the good things of life and the gifts that we can give and the gifts that we may receive. Lord, we focus on you the greatest gift of all given to us, given to me. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us, looking beyond our faults and seeing our needs. Help us, O Lord, if any of us lack faith, O God, you said to ask, and God, you will give it to us liberally. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. Bless, restore, guide, empower us in our service for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.